Oh, wow. I left because it said it wasn't recording. And then when I left, it said the studio is recording. So we are recording now. Um, good luck, editor. You're going to have fun with this. Um, let's just jump into it. All right. Welcome back, Freedom Chasers. Are you a small business owner curious about how AI can take your venture to the next level? Or maybe you're scratching your head wondering how to turn your brand into your business's superpower. Today's guest is here to unpack those mysteries. He's a thought leader who's stood on stages worldwide, captivated audiences, and has been the secret weapon behind compelling and unforgettable brands. Um, get ready to delve deep into the transformative power of AI and branding for small businesses. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this one. Please welcome Phil Palin. What's up, Phil? It is one of my favorite part about guesting on other shows is once they get the intro out there, it's like, wow, I feel a lot cooler than I normally do right now because it's amazing. Well, it's actually very pertinent to what we're going to talk about right now. So what I did is I took what you gave me. I put two or three of my own original thoughts to that. And then I gave ChatGPT some very specific directions. It's like, hey, write a hook for my show, The Freedom Chasers, for this guest who does this. Put this spin on it <laughs> and make sure it hooks in the audience so they want to listen. And, and that's what I got. And, you know, I, I did some light editing afterwards, but it's pretty effective at pulling that off. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that a lot of people are thinking along those lines. And for me, it's just very clearly the cure for writer's block. And it'll take you 80% of the way fairly simply on almost anything you wanted to accomplish in terms of writing and, and a lot of other things, too. It doesn't only write. Um, but I do think it needs some human input. And I think a lot of people looking for this, this golden cure-all, um, it'll probably come eventually. I'm not saying it won't. But it's not here yet. And ultimately, once it does have a cure-all thing, I, I still think being able to creatively give it the correct inputs and the people that are able to pull that off at a very high level are going to be paid very well.
Well, let's dive into that. So in the ways that is helping small business owners in particular, um, what do you think is the biggest opportunity right now for small business owners in AI?
Absolutely. What a tremendous answer. And, and this is one of those things that's important to me right now in my journey, as the entrepreneurial journey seems to be, I'm, I'm finally starting to realize, you know, I can't make everything happen myself, right? Like through brute force, right? It's like everybody has to realize that eventually. Um, it's like there comes a point where, where less is more. Um, and, and that's what the key is. Like once you get to that point in your journey, what you need to do is figure out where you're spending your time and doing exactly what you just laid out. Automate and delegate out what you can and then focus your time on things that you actually love to do, things that you want to do forever. Um, so let's talk, oh, go ahead. Absolutely. 100% agreed. So I'd love to talk about automating a little bit more because it sounds like you're extremely well versed in this. Um, and I want to leave it kind of open ended for you. So I'm not putting you in a box so much. But like, let's say um, you've, you've identified two or three activities that you want to see if you can automate. What would be the step by step process you start going into to look for solutions to automate something?
absolutely um cool man oh it was a great answer it was very thorough so i mean that immediately what comes to mind is like what are do you think are like some of the coolest ai tools out there that a lot of people don't know about yet before they turn it into a subscription. So uh, my favorite free tools, um, one of them would be, uh, it's called Sidekick by a company uh, named Jigsaw. And Sidekick brings ChatGPT 4.0 to Slack for free. So people that are not quite comfortable, it does a lot of other things. It can integrate with Salesforce, um, other platforms like that. Uh, which is helpful to be able to search information that exists elsewhere, but stay in Slack. But but I love it the most for the fact that you can access ChatGPT 4.0 without a subscription. Um, and so someone who's like wanting to dabble or, or, you know, get comfortable, if they're already comfortable in Slack, fantastic. Jig, uh, Sidekick by Jigsaw is a really good one. Another good one, if you're comfortable in Google, um, then stay away from from OpenAI's website. Stay away from ChatGPT because it is a bit jarring when you get there the first time. You're like, like, where do I even begin? What do I type? I'm going to type something, but like, what do I even do here? There's not really instructions. And the possibilities are so open that it's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And I get that. So my recommendation would be use the very popular plugin Web ChatGPT which has a lot of genius features, including the ability to toggle between the, the most popular AI text-based tools like Claude, um, Bard, ChatGPT, et cetera. And the best thing that it does, well, there's two great things. It connects ChatGPT to the internet. So you're able to actually search more recent web results which is really important with ChatGPT. That's not something that it does by nature. It doesn't connect to the internet. It's its own contained device at this time. Who knows when this will change? At the time of recording this, I've gotten used to saying that. The thing I like the most is that it brings ChatGPT into a Google search, okay? So if you Google something, which we all do because our brains have been trained the last few decades to go to Google when we have a question to find an answer, what I love is it it will show you after you search something into Google, it'll search the same thing in ChatGPT on the right-hand side. And what this is going to do is it's going to train our minds without a lot of extra effort to notice what kind of results we get from AI versus a Google search. 
And I'll give a quick example. It seems so simple, but I, I still, even though I'm very interested in this stuff and I'm soaking it up every single day, I still, my, my brain isn't really trained to go to chat GPT instead of Google yet. And so yeah. I found, you know, right. I, I found, I found that I go to Google without even realizing that I'm going to Google. I type something. And then I, now that I have a comparison between chat GPT and Google, Google's results are garbage. The first, and, and not because of the information I'm serving up, they master that. The fact is I occasionally will get four or five sponsored results that have nothing to do with what I just typed in before I actually get the information I'm looking for. I have to scroll down and get the information I need. And yet I can look over at ChatGPT and it'll summarize. Here are the top three related articles based on what you're looking for. And here are the steps, one, two, three, four, five, that you need to go and do. Like to me, the results are night and day, not every instance, but many instances. And that is training me, training my mind to slowly integrate AI when I have a question that needs answered. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've already started doing that. I Like you, it's not a total replacement for Google yet because that is my natural response. Of course, um, but be. I often go to ChatGPT right afterwards because a lot of times the thing with ChatGPT is it's, it's served to you on a platter, right? Here's your yeah. answer. Whereas Google, it'll give you your answer, but you often have to search for it um, and you have to curate it yourself. Um, which brings on the question, right? Um, how much can we trust ChatGPT to actually be correct on a lot of the things that it's doing? You ask great questions because that was literally where I was going to go next. We can't, don't, don't let me act like ChatGPT is perfect because it is far from perfect. And the biggest problem, I have no problem saying problem in this context, the biggest problem with ChatGPT is the risk of hallucinations, which means the representation of false information as if it was true or accurate. Huge problem. There are lots of problems, but that is one of the main ones uh, because it is so convincing. You know, it, um, it'll present information in the way that it's designed the user interface. It makes you really believe that you are getting the answer to the question that you're looking for. But there's a limit on the information that it gathers, you know, even that, you know, a limitation of, of date, of publishing date. Um, they're making improvements on this, but it is very easy to take what it's saying as fact when it is, in fact, not true. So for as quickly as, you know, you can get an answer, a really captivating answer, it's on you to make sure that the answer you're getting is actually accurate. So I'll take the few extra seconds to click on the footnotes that it serves you, where it's sourcing the information. And I'll double check with a second source to make sure that information is accurate. That's on you. And, and uh, AI cannot trump a human in that regard yet. I love the term, the adjective rather, hallucinations there, because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I'm sure it could justify where it's getting these answers from, right? Because it's not coming from nowhere, but that doesn't mean they're correct. Um, right. I love it. Um, so basically, you source your documents. Um, I, I read about an attorney that went to court with um, fake cases that ChatGPT just whipped up, um, <laughs> which is hilarious because you would think an attorney would do their due diligence on something like that instead of Definitely. taking the shortcut, right? But if I had to come up with a, a defense for the attorney, 
AI is really convincing. It's really, I mean, that's lazy, yeah. um, but it's really convincing of, of information that is not accurate. Very confidently wrong, right? <laughs> so to speak. Exactly. Um, cool. So speaking about being confidently wrong, what do you think um, a lot of people that are utilizing AI right now already, what do you think they're doing incorrectly? What are they doing wrong? I think people generally are putting in their best effort based on what they've learned. I, I give kudos to anyone that has entered this realm, even if they're completely overwhelmed, to just give it a try. Um, I would say the thing that people are doing wrong is they are not using it or they're not providing enough context to it to use it in a really powerful way, right? There are certain things once you get comfortable and you get familiar using it, man, there, there are ways that, that AI, not just ChatGPT, but AI in general will phrase things that make it obvious that it was written by AI. So not only are, for example, search engines, powerhouses like Google already have the technology to identify if something was written by AI. I mean, do you think... Now that it's so easy to, for example, write copy, do you not think that Google's likely already modified their algorithm to weight that in a negative way? I think they have. I don't have proof on that. That's my hypothesis. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's easier to write content, then content creation is going to be easier now. And AI is making it easier. So there's going to be a quality assessment of content written by AI. There's also tools that are very accurate, 99% accuracy that can tell you if something was written by AI and the percentage of how much of it is written by AI. So you're not fooling anyone. I would say the mistake that people are making, I think it's not a mistake to try it out and to experiment with it, but continue to take the plunge. It's like entering the pool in the shallow end. Keep walking at your own pace and becoming comfortable and learning how you can use this in a way for yourself. But the more context you're able to provide the chat, the better result you're going to get. Let's dive down this rabbit hole a little bit further. Um, I right. would love to get some ideas what your context stack will look like, because that is absolutely the right question. When I have something that I, that I want to come out that is fairly thorough, I give it a ton of context. I'll be mm -hmm. like, okay, so this is what I want. This is what I want you to do. Be very specific. And adjectives are a wonderful thing with ChatGPT, because just changing yeah. one adjective will change the results like entirely. Um, so be very specific on the adjectives that you choose. Give it an example of something that you want or something that you liked it do. Yeah. Um, what other things can you do to provide a context? Um, more examples. More, I, I think even for you to get creative with the examples you provide. Um, so let's talk about that. Obvious examples. Let's say you want to give it writing samples, okay? Um, I think writing samples make a lot of sense for a variety of contexts. You could be working on a YouTube script. You could be working on a speech that you're going to deliver, the way that you can get AI tools like ChatGPT to sound like you are by feeding it examples, but let's be a little more creative with the examples you give. Um, if I had to set a minimum, I'd say a minimum of a thousand words per example so that it really has a nice chunk of context to, to 
gather uh, a well-formed kind of observation on, on your unique way of communicating. But one of my favorite examples that people don't think about, a client call. It's so easy now to get your client calls. Uh, if you're a service provider, a coach, a consultant, it's so easy to get those transcribed. It's useful for the person on the other end, but it's also useful for you. What I will often do, I know it's old school, but I always have, uh, and it's branded, I always have a little notepad beside me, always an empty one, so that even on a client call, if I have a really good conversation or a really good breakthrough with a client that I'm working with, or even an opportunity for me to say something or or express something I've been thinking about, there's been many of them on this podcast, by the way, what I'll do is I will just glance at the clock and I'll write down the time or it could be the minutes into the call um, so that I can easily go back through the transcript and grab that section um, of, a, of, a, of a client call as an example. It doesn't need to be a YouTube video. It shouldn't be a YouTube video from four years ago. It doesn't need to be that old blog post. So you, you know, the blog you haven't updated in three years, like new recent examples, something as simple as a client call or a Zoom recording are great for context, great for examples. And um, beyond examples, I think you you need to feel confident in how it's identified you. So you know, if you were to give samples, it's gonna and you ask for ChatGPT to describe your writing style, then what you're reading when it gives you that output, it should resonate with you. And this is where AI and branding often coexist. What I've been working on for 10 years plus with clients, I always talk about the importance of self-awareness. Self-awareness and branding, it's really your secret weapon. And, and we can always become better at it to know where we're strong, to know what we're really good at, to know how others describe us, what words do they use, um, what makes our experience memorable. You know, and so for example, a memorable experience of you for me was that you customized my bio at the intro of this podcast. I've done hundreds of podcast interviews and I can't think of a single other person that took my bio and put their own spin on it. That's something I'll remember. And that's something I'll associate with you, not just the customization of an intro, but the effort to um, create that experience for me. It feels higher end. It feels personalized. It feels like you care about having a conversation with me and giving your listener uh, a great experience. That's what it reflects for me. And so taking inventory of those moments as you experience them, as you provide those experiences for others, and even when you are in the driver's seat, like I was in this instance, take inventory of these moments. They're great. They're mining these moments for content, mining these moments for ideas to integrate into your own business, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love this. So, I mean, I have this written down from earlier in the interview. You said what makes an experience with you memorable or something along those lines. So I'd yeah. love to talk about brand. I would say that is one of my strongest weaknesses. So like what, what does building a brand look like? You mentioned self-awareness is like number one. And I think self-awareness in life is pretty much the most important thing. Um, but where does that go? How do you start diving into that? 
Yeah, sure. This is something I've talked a lot about over the years, and it's something I do every single day with with clients. You know, people will come to me that have achieved a certain level of success, typically on their own or with a small team. Could be a public speaker, keynote speaker, could be a coach, a consultant, media personality, you know, a service provider, lifestyle, etc., content creator. You know, they've reached a certain level of of success on their own, and they're ready for input to get to that next level. So I try to break down the process of branding, very often personal branding in my world, um, as both an art and a science. So there's an artistic quality to this, you know, strong visuals that includes photography, brand identity, which is more than just a website. That's, you know, multiple logos, depending on where you show up, could be an email signature, header of a website, could be hanging behind you in a Zoom or a Riverside interview, you know, lots of different contexts. Um, A visual brand is color, it's texture, it's how your brand looks in, in, in web and in print, and how is that experience consistent? Um, So I, I break the process of branding into three stages, positioning your brand, building something to show for it, including those elements we've talked about, brand identity, photography, website. And then finally, sticking a for sale sign up front of that house and taking it to market, promoting yourself, um, showing up in social media in a way that's beneficial for your business goals. It could, you know, there's there's more traditional ways of promoting your brand. There's, there's um, you know, there's there's other things like SEO. There's, there's so many so many podcasts, you know, guesting on podcasts is, is another great way to promote your brand. There's just so many ways uh, to do it, but we all need a process. So there's an art and there's a science and the science is that step-by-step process that I've identified over the years and I follow myself for myself and for my clients. Yeah. I think there's an art and a science to most most things, and I think that's fun. Um, you know, the science gives you the steps you need to take to get to where you want to go, but the art is always being able to do it with the client that you're working with at that time, right? Um, or, or to at least be able to take in some inputs to try to do something a little bit different every time, because if you're anything like me, which it seems like you may be a little bit, you know, it's hard to do the same thing over and over verbatim, right? Having a little yeah. bit of flow encourages growth, right? So... Um, very cool stuff. I'd love to get like just brief overview of these three steps, right? So you mentioned step number one is positioning. Yeah. Um, like if you were to talk two or three things about positioning that are important, would love to know what those are. Sure. Well, why don't I give you some questions that you should ask yourself, you and listener, and even me? Um, question. Good questions to ponder to increase our self awareness as you position your brand. Uh, what is it you love to do? It's funny because that came up earlier talking about um, integrating AI. Um, you'll see a pattern here. But what do you absolutely love to do? How does that satisfy a need in the market or in a market? I think brands, you know, something you love on its own is a hobby. It can become a business when something you love is paired with something others need and are willing to spend money on. I don't have to spend a lot of money on advertising. I don't spend any money on advertising because I really have found my niche over the years, which is working with people or branding people over companies. Of course, I have had projects from companies that have trusted me to do the job. We've done a great job, but really my reputation is in branding, in in personal branding rather. Um, 
And that's what I like doing because I like the direct nature of working with a person to reach their goals. I'm not great in a corporate environment where we have to go through layers of approval and spend all this money and waste all this time to actually accomplish nothing. Hate it. Um, so those are questions like- You're not alone. What is it, yeah. <laughs> what do you love to do? Um, how do you satisfy a need like every good business does? Um, what's something I wouldn't know about you just by looking at you? This is, you know, the answer to this question is a great one to put on the about page of your website. You know, give me a detail about you that I wouldn't know just by looking at you. This is a great conversation starter. It's something that might come up if we were sitting down at Starbucks having coffee for the first time. We don't, you know, it doesn't, not everything needs to be about business all the time. In fact, my best performing social media posts have nothing to do with branding. Nothing. There are stories of me when I went in a hot air balloon, even though I'm afraid of heights. There's another one um, when I got Botox. That was a funny story. Um, you know, all kinds of these like fun human lived experiences people identify with. You know, what we say is content, but how we say it, the unique way that, we, you know, you and only you deliver that information is personality. And I've always been more focused on the second element as a secret tool in the brands that I'm positioning and building because it really is the one true unique thing. Content on its own is not unique, especially now with AI, especially now. Oh yeah. AI is so easy to spot. Um, I'm not Google. I don't have all these great algorithms, but it's very easy for me to spot, especially like anytime I see the word unlock now, I just assume ChatGPT wrote it because I've never seen it used so frequently in, in any capacity, Ever. really. Unlock the secret. It's like everybody, I see it all the time and I'm just like, oh my, I have to, I literally tell AI not to say unlock now. Um, that, like, <laughs> if you say unlock, you're in trouble, AI. Um, <laughs> give yourself credit because I didn't spot it when you read my bio at the beginning beginning, but let's dissect that for a second. It might be different if the rewrite of my bio from AI was in written form, but it took you humanizing that, which made it amazing. So it's, it's, so we're not relying solely on AI for an output. I don't think you should ever copy and paste a blog post that it's written jam with keywords onto a blog. And I don't, and I will not. If even if you're happy with the result because you wrote a great prompt and you fed it great context, you should still go through that post and add your personality. Read the post out loud and say it conversationally and keep saying it beyond what is written in front of you. Add your isms, add your personality, add your unique perspective, your touch. That's what makes the experience of you memorable and different and great. I think you did that. And that's why it worked really, really well. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a ton of opportunities with that same idea. My favorite thing to use AI right now, what barred none, is to actually write something original and ask it to be my editor. Like, hey, yeah, how too. can I make this better? It is a tremendous editor. It is ridiculous. Like, I just feel like an amazing writer now just because I actually have third-party advice that is very, very strong. My next idea is to give it a personality of an editor that has edited a lot of books that I like, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're now this person. Idea. I don't know who that is. There's no famous editors, right? But, I mean, it puts me down the road. Um, but it's just a tremendous editor to make you a better writer. 
And one of those things is that's something you, you learn forever, right? It gives me ideas to become a better writer, but a lot of that actually stays as I continue to do it. Um, I just, I'm loving that. It is a tremendous editor. Anybody not using it for that is just truly missing out because as you said, the way, the one thing that every single person in the world has is a unique personality. Yeah. And, and, and they should lean into that because that is what's going to attract people, especially now with AI, right? Because everybody's using it now, especially in the digital marketing world. If you're getting really good at, at differentiating yourself, you're really going to set yourself apart. Um, yes. And along those lines, the one thing AI will never have is our full breadth of life experiences. Yes, we can feed AI written testimony of things that we've experienced in our life and it can create content from those experiences that is possible but it's not possible to feed it the detail and context and breadth that exists in your brain so that's where the human role still becomes incredibly important it's this idea of like curating opportunities for storytelling for context examples relationships AI will never win against humans in this application. Yeah, absolutely. So dialing back to what you said a couple moments ago, um, you were talking about, you know, in your personal brand strategy, a lot of it had nothing to do with business whatsoever. Mm -hmm. and, and I've heard a lot of people say this. Is there an ideal ratio of business to personal when you're trying to build a personal brand or you just kind of do what, what feels right? Hmm. Good question. I think the ratio likely depends case by case. Obviously it's going to depend largely on, on, on the nature of the brand that it's coming from, but that's not a satisfying answer. So let me give you a better answer. Um, I have examples in my mind of, as you ask this question, I can think of people that are almost, you know, that are 90% content, 10% personality. I can think of other people that are 90% personality, 10% content. I more prefer them, but that's almost like a comedian or that's, you know, brands that are driven by humor. Um, you're never going to keep everyone happy. So there's always going to be a critic depending on what that ratio is. The right ratio is the ratio that motivates you to continue creating and showing up. Uh, social media in particular, or content in general, is a, very easy to quit, just like going to the gym. So we need to be selfish about it. It's in the context of fitness, people will say, don't go to the gym to look good for others. Go to the gym to feel good yourself. And I think content is the same. You need to create content where the process of creating it is fulfilling. I'll give you an example. I create YouTube videos. Obviously, I want people to watch them and I want them to perform well and I want to keep growing in subscribers. But the truth of the matter is those are not my top priorities. They're just not. I don't think about it actually that much. I make YouTube videos so that I can budget the time in my calendar to research things to learn things. I recently made a video 
giving people five tips to update their LinkedIn profile. Do you know why? Because if I don't turn it into a video, I'm never going to make the time to do it myself. So the video was, hey, it's time to update my LinkedIn profile. And I feel like you should come along for the journey. I'm going to show you what I'm updating today. Feel free to be inspired to do the same. Literally, if I don't make that into a video, it's not going to become a priority for me. It's going to be on my list, but it's going to be item number 27. It's going to sit there because other things are going to become more important. So for me, content creation is my way of putting in sanctioned time in my calendar to research things, to learn about things, to even develop my opinion on things, which become very useful for conversations like this that get shared with others. Oh, I've, I've never heard it said that way. Developing your opinion, which is something that everybody's doing, right? Um, anybody that thinks that they have a hard line view on something, I think they just, they, they probably have the wrong view. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly developing my opinion and I'm constantly assuming that I'm wrong at most things. Um, I, I think that's an important mindset to have. Anybody that thinks they're right about something is somebody that's almost definitely wrong in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, the more confidence that you have in your answer, I think the more you learn about something, the more you realize that you don't know anything. It's really my yeah. concept on life. Yeah, um, I'd love to that. ask love this. Um, man, I... Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there. Um, so, I mean, first off, Phil, Thank you so much for this. I mean, this hour blew right by. I wish I had it another really hour did. to speak with you. Um, it but... really did. I just looked at the clock and I <laughs> but, can't um... believe what time it is. And that does not normally happen for me in a podcast interview. I'll be honest with you. You can tell by now I'm a pretty honest guy. Um, you have made this a really exciting conversation and I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate that, especially coming from you. I love getting compliments from people that podcast all the time because it is important to me. I would do this for free forever. Um, yeah, so it's important that I'm, it. I'm constantly refining my craft, man. So, so thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I wanted to get this out there because I know in, in terms of like the creative space in general, a lot of people are extremely insecure about creativity uh, and stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea of what creativity is. Like they think it's the ability to create something that's new. I, I would pivot them and, and, and encourage them to think differently. You're not necessarily creating anything new. Um, I, I love Pablo Picasso. Um, the best artists are really great at stealing. You don't yep. steal at anything directly. Look at three, five sources of inspiration and just take that and create your own thing and do it consistently and do it often and you will get creative simply by flexing that muscle um, but more importantly in terms of personal brand i know a lot of people just think they're not that interesting um, i would love to hear your take um, just talk to that person what would you say to that person yeah that's such a good question it's something i encounter all the time people get really nervous to post or to show up on social media as if they were walking out on stage and didn't have a script and had nothing to say. But why is it that when you and I go to meet for coffee, you don't feel the same way? You and I could have never met in real life, but let's say we happen to be in the same city at the same time. We connected because we podcasted together. It was a great experience. Or maybe we even just message on LinkedIn and we know even less about each other. We might not even have the context that we're going to hit it off and have a good conversation but you're not going to script everything in your head before you meet me. You're going to listen to what I say, content. You're going to watch and remember and react to how I deliver that information, personality. 
And so we need to think about social media as a coffee conversation instead of a stage speech performance delivery. You know what I mean? That's how we have to think about it. And so for the clients or for the people that are that have that fear or even worse, people hate putting their picture up. And I'm like, posting your photo with, with written text isn't, you're not doing it because you're self-obsessed. You're sending that photo out to the internet like a little soldier that works on your behalf to closely recreate the in-person experience. So when I meet you in real life, I'm looking at you in the eyes. I'm watching your body language while listening to what you say. You don't have a bag on your head when we're having a conversation. So when you send a photo out on, you know, to the internet paired with an opinion for context, it really is technology's closest recreation of the in-person experience. So branding for me, this is probably a good way to tie this up in a bow. Branding for me is not creating an artificial impression or an exaggerated version of something. For me, it's really just about achieving consistency. Who you are in real life and how we take that in-person experience and create that on the web. That's all it is. What a perfect mic drop moment, Phil. Um, <laughs> awesome, man. Anybody listening, if, if they wanted to get in touch with Mr. Phil Palin, what would be the best way for them to do so? Honey, I am easy to find on the internet. I certainly do not hide. And if that's what I'm trying to do, I'm not doing a good job of it. Um, I post every Wednesday, Saturday on YouTube. I have lots of freebies on my website, philpound.co slash freebies. And it is... Um, um, I've got all kinds of stuff on there. Positioning your brand. I have a hundred evergreen content ideas PDF that's been downloaded. I think over 25,000 times it's up to, um, lots of stuff out there that I've designed as a resource to help people that are self-starters that are building this themselves. Um, we do a lot of work with clients that feel overwhelmed or need that mirror holding in front of them. So my website's just a great place to go or Instagram at Phil Palin. So YouTube, Instagram are the social media platforms I'm on the most. And philpalin.co uh, is, is where uh, it's kind of home base for everything. Absolutely. Awesome. Phil, once again, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and your business. Those of you out there chasing freedom, you know where to go now. Thank you so much for jumping on the show, Phil. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and to those of you out there chasing freedom, I have some homework for you. Um, what is memorable about the experience of you? Ask yourself five to 10 questions about this and do it at least once a quarter because you don't know who the hell you are. I could promise you that, but you could keep learning every day and eventually you'll get pretty close, I think. Um, and then while creating content, be unapologetically you because 90% of people out there do not have the courage to do that and keep doing that. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.